A blessed Sunday and a blessed New Year to all of you, brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a great privilege for me to be here preaching God's Word once again to all of you. Today we will be continuing our series in the book of 1 Samuel, and we will be continuing our story of King Saul, the people's king. Have you ever tried doing something nice for others? But in the end, it didn't matter much to them, or they weren't as pleased as you thought they would be. Maybe you bought an expensive and elegant dress for your daughter last Christmas, but they weren't as happy about it because they wanted a new iPhone instead. You know, my son cried during the Christmas holidays because he got more clothes rather than toys. Or maybe... You went out of your way to buy flowers and chocolates for your partner for Valentine's. But they were a bit disappointed because what they really wanted was to go on a dinner date with you. Or maybe you have been working hard to provide for your aging parents, buying them groceries and medicines, but it didn't matter much to them because they would rather you spend more time with them. You see, what matters most differs from one person to another. And in life, it is important to know what matters most to the people that we love. In fact, it is also important for each of us to know what matters most in our lives. If we don't, we will just be wasting a lot of money, time, and our efforts for the things that do not really matter much. Knowing this, let me ask us a very important question. Do you know what matters most to God? You know, we call ourselves Christians, the people of God. We attend church every Sunday. We give our tithes and offerings weekly. We serve in various church ministries But are we really sure that all these matters to God? Now, why do I ask this question this morning? Because King Saul thought he knew what matters most to God, but he didn't. And his presumptuousness ended up costing him his throne, and he was rejected by God. He thought that by sparing the enemy's best livestock to offer as sacrifices to God will please God. But it didn't. Why? Because in doing so, he ignored what matters most to God. And so let's go back to the question, what matters most to God? The prophet Samuel tells Saul in 1 Samuel 15 verse 22, he says, has the Lord as great uh, as has the Lord as has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Brothers and sisters, obedience matters most to God. Sounds like a simple truth, right? But being ignorant to this simple truth ended up costing Saul 
his throne, and eventually his life. Let us keep our Bibles open to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and let us listen once again to this tragic story. And hopefully, we will learn from it. And we will know what it means that obedience matters most to God. If you have been attending church for quite some time now, chances are you have heard of King Saul. In fact, Pastor Wiljo just talked about him last week. And you probably have this negative image of Saul. You have probably heard so many bad things about him like how he acted like a coward when a giant was threatening his army, or how he was paranoid most of the time, hunting a man whom he thought was trying to usurp his throne. But you know, I would say he was just like any other man. He has his strengths and his weaknesses. He has lots of desires and fears. And who doesn't? In fact, before this story in chapter 15 happened, Saul was painted in a good light. When, the, when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be Israel's first king, the people were happy. He was the kind of king everyone pictured a king would be. He was, as I would say, a people's king, a head taller than everybody else. And he has the looks of royalty and quite a humble guy. He was what we would now classify as tall, dark, and handsome, alapiolo. And you know, during his early rule as king, he was not half bad. He was brave, and he was a good military leader. He led the Israelites to defeat the, their enemies who have been troubling their nation for quite some time, the Moabites, the Ammonites, Edom, the king of Zobah, and the ever-pesky Philistines. He only committed one mistake towards God before chapter 15. He became impatient. You know, the story, Samuel was late, and they have a schedule to follow. And, he, and so, he offered the sacrifice, which was supposed to be Samuel's job. I mean, no one is perfect, right? And we all lose our patience sometimes, especially when people are late, right? So, as you can see, the Lord was using Saul mightily to defend and protect his people. And this time around was no different. Here in chapter 15, God wanted Saul to lead the Israelite army to completely destroy one of their greatest enemies, the Amalekites. You see, the Israelites has bad, has bad blood against the Amalekites. Why? Because when they were escaping Egypt and on their way to Mount Sinai, the Amalekites attacked them at Rephidim. And the Amalekites continued to attack them. They also joined other groups to attack Israel during their wanderings in the desert. And during the time when they're in, already in the prom promised land, the time of the judges as well. And so, the Lord swore to Israel that he will completely blot out the Amalekites from the world. And that is why God sends his prophet Samuel to command Saul to execute the complete annihilation 
of the Amalekites. No one and nothing will be spared. Man, women, child, infant, royalty, soldier, civilian, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Everyone must be killed. Everything must be destroyed. This was the Lord's judgment against the Amalekites who defied him by attacking his people. And God commanded this also to prevent their idolatrous practices to creep in into Israelite culture. And so, at first, in this story, it would seem that Saul would act honorably and carry out God's command faithfully as he led more than 2,000 Man, uh, 200,000 men to march towards the city of Amalek. He even sent a warning to the Kenites who were living among the Amalekites to depart before he attacks. The Kenites actually were the people of Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who have been helpful to the Israelites in the past. Saul waited for the Kenites to escape before he commenced his attack on the Amalekites. And this kindness shown by Saul is actually commendable. It's quite commendable. But even this honorable act will not vindicate Saul for what he was about to do. Or to be more accurate, what he will not do. Saul attacked the Amalekites and he destroyed and killed all the people, men, women, and children. But, but, he and his army spared Agag, the Amalekite king. And also, they spared the best of the livestock, the sheep, the oxen, the fattened calves, the lamb. All others with defects, he destroyed. Now, some of us might think, well, pastor, there's nothing wrong with that. He was just being wise and he was, just not, uh, he was not being wasteful. But let us not forget, it matters not to God whether you do the wise thing in your own mind or you simply don't want to be wasteful. Because what? Obedience matters most to God. Obedience matters most to God. And we see God's disappointment immediately in verse 11 when the Lord told Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. You might say, but, Paul, but Saul obeyed a part of God's command. At least a part of it. Isn't that good enough? Well, the scripture says it is not. Why? Because obedience matters most to God. And so even partial obedience is still disobedience in his sight. Partial obedience is disobedience. Now let's go back to today. What, in what ways do we partially obey God? It might be in the area of our business. It might be that all our accounts are clean, our transactions, our taxes, but, but we intentionally overlook one or two of our underpaid workers. Or 
Maybe it's in the way we lead our families. We may be teaching our kids about the Bible, bringing them to church every Sunday, but maybe sometimes we overlook, we sometimes look the other way when they intentionally sin against God and we don't correct them. Another example of partial obedience is delayed obedience. When God has clearly commanded us to go make disciples, for example, and we tell Him, Lord, next time na lang, if I have more free time. Or maybe, Lord, when I am more equipped, then I will follow Your command. Promise. Delayed obedience is also partial obedience. Brothers and sisters, we must be aware of our partial obedience because to our Lord, it is still disobedience. And the thing with partial obedience is that many times it is hard to detect. It is usually hidden in the veil of obedience. Just like how our eyes cannot detect the space between one degree. Hindi natin my difference of one degree, one degree angle. But you know, a pilot, a pilot knows the danger of being one degree off course, even just one degree. It might not seem much in the beginning, but as you keep going, you will definitely end up in the wrong direction. UCP, obedience matters most to God. Therefore, partial obedience is disobedience to Him. Let us always Remember that. Now let's continue on with our story. When Samuel heard what God was, uh, what uh, when Samuel heard from God what Saul has done, he was angry and he grieved for Saul, crying to God all night. And why not? Samuel was the one who anointed Saul. So the next day he journeyed towards Saul's camp and was surprised with what he heard. First, he heard reports that after their victory against Amalekites, Saul went to Carmel to build a monument for himself, honoring himself, before going to Gilgal. And then Samuel heard moo and bah coming from all over the camp. Let me try to reenact the confrontation between Samuel and Saul. And as, so as Samuel approached the king, he was welcomed excitedly by Saul. Ah, Samuel, you have come at last. Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. But Samuel, unimpressed, answered back, Is that so? Then what is this bleating of sheep and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Oh, that, answered Saul proudly. Those are the sound of the best sheep and oxen plundered from the Amalekites. You see, Samuel, my man wanted to keep them to offer to our Lord. That is why we are in Gilgal in the first place. We are preparing to sacrifice them. And don't worry, Samuel. These are without blemish. We destroyed all the imperfect ones as the Lord commanded. But up to this point, Samuel cannot take it anymore, and he shouted at Saul, Let me stop you right there, my king. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. 
Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? It was the Lord who anointed you king over Israel. He sent you on a mission to devote to destructions the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are completely consumed. And yet, why did you disobey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul answered defensively, Oh, Samuel, you misunderstood the situation. I, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord has sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to complete destruction. But the people... Yeah, it was, it was the people who took the, who took the spoil. They took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things, okay? Uh, of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And then came Samuel's rebuke. Oh, foolish soul. Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. And now Saul, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. What an intense confrontation. Poor Saul, rejected by God, all because he didn't know what matters most to God. He thought that just because the people have a brilliant idea of sacrificing the choice livestock to God, it was a good excuse to disregard the Lord's direct command. His presumptuousness got the better of him. He didn't know that obedience matters most to God and not sacrifice. You know, brothers and sisters, many times we make the same presumption. We think that religious devotion can be a substitute for obedience. Ah, okay lang mag-cheating. Mag-Sunday school na lang ako this week. Oh, I don't need to pay my taxes. I'll just give 10% or even more in our tithes and offering that, so that I am sure that will make God even happier than me paying my taxes. Brothers and sisters, please don't mistake religious devotion for obedience, attending church every Sunday, and attending prayer meeting every Tuesday, and small group every weekend, or even attending fasting and prayer does not give us consent to live a life of sin any other day. Remember, obedience matters most to God. Therefore, religious devotion is not substitute for obedience. Religious devotion is not a substitute for obedience. When we think otherwise, we are actually being presumptuous. 
and presumption about God is equivalent to idolatry. Why? Because we make God, when we presume things about God, we are making God into our own image. So, we should not presume what will please God. God has already revealed to us what pleases Him, and that is through His Word alone. If it's not written in God's Word about Him, then it's not what God likes. You ECP, we must be careful of this. Many times you commit this sin without even realizing it. An example is when we make our plans for our lives or even for our church without consulting God in prayer and in the Scripture. And then after planning, that is a time when we pray that God will support our plans. You know, by doing this, we presume we know what God wants and we presume we only need His approval. You know, I remember a time, there was a time in my life when I kept saying that even though if God doesn't want me to be a pastor, I will serve Him as a pastor. I kept saying this, if, even if God doesn't want me to be, a, to be a pastor, I will serve Him as a pastor. Some of my old young pro group members might remember this. Sorry, not old. Previous young pro group members might remember this. I thought I was being devoted to God by saying that I want to be a pastor even if God doesn't call me to be one. I thought I was being devoted to God, but only when I have become a pastor that I realized how foolish, uh, how foolish was I to say that. It was disobedience masked as devotion. Disobedience masked as devotion. So brothers and sisters, let's remember that obedience matters most to God. And therefore, religious devotion is not substitute for obedience. Let's not forget that for our Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience matters most to our God. Now let us continue on again with our narrative and let us see how Saul's disobedience starts to unfold. Saul finally confesses what really happened. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 24, Samuel's, uh, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You see, the truth finally came out. Saul was more afraid to disappoint his men than disappointing God. And then he begged Samuel to forgive his sin and return with him so that he can worship the Lord. But Samuel refused. And he, um, but Samuel refused and he walked away from Saul. So in desperation, Saul grabbed onto Samuel's robe to keep him from leaving. He grabbed it so forcefully that it got torn away. And Samuel told him that that was a sign that the Lord has already torn the kingdom of Israel from Saul. But Saul continued to beg Samuel to return with him. In verse 30, he says, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. 
Now we see what is truly in Saul's heart. His heart was set on pleasing the people rather than pleasing God. And Samuel surprisingly stayed with Saul for the last time, probably out of concern for Saul personally or for keeping the peace of the nation. After that, Samuel was the one who carried out the Lord's command by killing Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Then Saul and Samuel parted ways, never seeing each other again. The scripture told us as Samuel continued to grieve over Saul, for even though he was rejected by God for his disobedience, he was still the Lord's anointed. And even though Saul remained king of Israel after this incident, it was the beginning of his downfall. And in the next chapter, chapter 16, Samuel anoints the king that will replace him. You know, these closing verses reveal to us the root of Saul's disobedience. He feared the people more than he feared God. This was evident throughout Saul's reign as king. In fact, this was also true of the first disobedience that I mentioned earlier. That was from chapter 13. You see, it was not because he became, that Saul became impatient that he offered a sacrifice in the place of Samuel. Instead, he saw that his men were starting to leave. And so he took matters into his own hands and offered the sacrifice that was not for him to offer. Why? He was trying to please the people. Truly, he was the people's king. So, what can we learn from these? This should serve as a warning to us that pleasing people hinders our obedience to God. Pleasing people hinders our obedience to God. When the opinion of people matters more to us than the commands of God, when the voice of people rings louder than the Word of God, then let us be careful. We are on the brink of disobeying God. If not that, we are already disobeying Him already. What are the signs that we are already pleasing more peop people rather than God? When we spend so much time with media or social media, and yet we do not have the time we do not have time to have our quiet time with God, reading scriptures and in prayer. When we listen more to others than to God, that is already a red flag. Obedience matters most to God. And pleasing people hinders our obedience to Him. And this is such a timely reminder for us as we come closer and closer to our presidential elections. Why? Because the people we choose to lead us affects our obedience to our Lord. The people that we choose to lead us affects our obedience to our Lord. In fact, one of the purposes of the books of First and Second Samuel is to paint a picture of God's ideal king. These two books teaches God's people to choose the leader that will help them obey God. And Saul, because he was the people's king, was definitely not that person. 
because he wants to please men more than God. So the question we should ask this time is, because obedience matters most to God, who then is the leader that I should choose to lead me to live a life of obedience to God? Who is the leader that I should choose to lead me to live a life of obedience to God? He is the one that I should follow. Now I know a name or two might come to mind, but let me tell you bluntly. If you are looking for that person here in the Philippines, well, you won't find him. Nor will you find him in any other country. Why? Because he sits now in the right hand of God, but his spirit lives in us. But while he was here on earth, he lived a life of perfect obedience to God. Even to the point of death, he obeyed God. And therefore, God raised him up from the dead and gave him the name above all names. And through him, we can, we can live a life fully pleasing to God being forgiven of our past, present, and future disobedience. And through His example, we can live a life of obedience to God. UECP, as we learn from the tragic downfall of soul, let us strive to follow the leader that will lead us to obey God because obedience matters most to God. If you are looking for that person in our presidential candidates, you will not find him. But you will find him by opening God's Word because he is the living Word. He's no one else but our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to follow, if you want to live a life of obedience to our God, follow Jesus. Remember, UECP? Obedience matters most to God. And Jesus is the one who can lead us to live a life of obedience to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks for you for this timely reminder. Lord, indeed, there are many times we compromise with our faith. We compromise with our obedience, Lord, to please other people, to please our own family, to please ourselves. But Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to remember that obedience matters most to you. Help us, Lord, to see when we are obeying you partially. Help us, Lord, to see if many times our obedience are delayed. Help us, Lord, to see if we are substitu substituting religious devotion to our obedience. And help us, Lord, to see if we are pleasing people more than you. When we are already off by one degree, one degree disobedience, help us, Lord, remind us, help us see and lead us back to the right track. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who fully obeyed you even at the point of death. Help us to look at his example Help us, Lord, to depend on His power so that we can live a life of obedience to You. 
Father, indeed, now we know that we need a leader who will lead us to obey you more and more. And the only person who can do that in our lives is our Lord Jesus. Help us to put our trust in Him. Help us, Lord, to trust in Him, to fix our eyes on Him, to follow His example each and every day so that we might live a life pleasing unto You. For You have reminded us today that obedience matters most to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.